Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. I guess we should start off with a quick apology for being a day late. Well, you know, sometimes life gets in the way, and believe it or not, this is not our full-time job. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't think we've tricked anybody, but <laughs> yeah, in case they were still out there wondering about that. I My voice is definitely showing that uh, yesterday was not going to be able to record a podcast. Uh, you shared an article <laughs> that I absolutely loved, the, that... A bunch of Boston guys, a few Boston guys, found the Boston Red Sox AL East championship banner just in the middle of a road. Yo, Red Sox, uh, we were on the highway and we found the banner for the AL East championship and uh, champions. uh, We just, you know, thought you might want it. This is an ideal Boston sports story. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I I love that the Red Sox are just like... Mm, we'll just make another one guys go ahead and keep that (laughs) (laughs) i mean like i suppose those are expensive yes but in the scheme of like what they're asking for which is red sox playoff tickets like yeah it's cheaper for them to make another banner well we don't negotiate with terrorists (laughs) that's right the red sox have a long-standing policy apparently if you yeah if you watch the town you would know they don't negotiate with with uh with terrace yeah i thought that was that was hilariously funny but um you want to talk you want to talk baseball or beer for a second i'll talk beer first i mean we okay. we've, we've been off the beer discussion train for what a few weeks three weeks or something yeah yeah um yeah uh this last week was a great american beer festival that's right in in colorado to be fair this is the beer festival that is crowned like pbr and Bud Light in the past. Oh yeah, let's uh, let's be serious here. This is not a really discerning place. But I just uh, I just saw the um, the hashtag GABF and I was like, ooh, what, what's what's going on? What is this? And a whole lot of beer was being poured. I guess it is a confusing hashtag. Like it's not. I mean, maybe this is a larger discussion, but it gets into what the good components of a hashtag are. You have no idea what that is. It should really have been G-A-Beer-F. <laughs> One of the funny things out of that was um, the InBev hate, A-B InBev hate, <laughs> Anheuser-Busch InBev, right? Um, is I guess, every, like, every stall within the, in the, convention center like had the brewery and then would have like affiliations so like there are a lot of independent independent looking brewers that are actually owned by InBev that aspect of the social media they've managed their breweries really well well right and so there was a whole bunch of hate coming in for those for especially those brewers and (laughs) 
a lot of those brewers ended up covering up the affiliation <laughs> with InBev just so they could look, you know, we're the hipsters who are, you know, we're the hipsters that just have a couple of billion dollars behind us if we ever really need it. But. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they're like the trust fund kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, essentially. Wow, that's good. I like that. Okay, let's talk a little bit. Uh, let's bounce around one baseball topic. The Cleveland Indians, we knew their pitching staff was good. But did we know that their pitching staff was four guys with over 200K is good? No. And that, that was what was funny is if you had asked me, and I feel like we might have a aborted board bet about this in the preseason or some about the um, the four pitchers. So um, Corey Kluber, of course, uh, Cookie Carrasco, uh, Trevor Bauer, and Mike Clevenger. And I believe if you had asked me preseason – like how many 200 plus uh, Indians would there be? I would have said they're going to be two and it's going to be Corey Kluber mm-hmm. and it's going to be one of Mike Clevenger or Trevor Bauer. I knew that one of them was going to make the leap, but I didn't know who it was. And they both did. Yeah. They just both decided to make the leap and Carrasco is actually in form. <laughs> he, well, he had a really rough couple of um, months at the start of the season, but he he came back. He, His strikeouts were never in doubt. The strikeouts were never in doubt, and he has a fantastic strikeout-to-walk ratio. I mean, yeah. that's, like, just looking at their stats, first of all, Kluber is the only one above 200 innings. So they're all pitching at a 9-plus Ks per 9 clip. All right, little bet box action here. 2.5 200K Indians next year's over or under? Over. And wow, I I mean I think that it's a it's just a health issue right now. The strikeouts aren't going mm-hmm. away in the league. It doesn't seem like this is a you know total fluke. I gotta go with over. Okay, I understand. I'll take the under. I'll take the under. That's good. I like it. Yeah, it's gonna be. Watch this. I'm gonna say this. It's probably not gonna be Kluber. He's probably gonna have a, one of those seasons where he um, only does 180 innings or something like that. He could still get to a 200 180 innings. Yeah. Oh my god, this this team. All right, this week we are getting back into Visualization Club. We're gonna talk a little bit of brainstorming. We're gonna talk about some of the goals that we have larger, longer term for the project, specifically how we can get stuff online and what we can do uh, to animate some of these graphics so that we can understand them. And then in the second half, we'll talk a little bit about maybe developing an ideal list of graphics, things that we would like to see, and then we'll do a little workshop on a graphic that I made. Okay. So here we go. Sounds good. How much time have you spent looking at the back end of websites that you think have good graphics? Not as much time as I should. <laughs> I Okay, well, I probably balance that out because I've definitely spent more time than I should doing that. Some of the, I mean, it's JavaScript yeah. is what they're using. So that's, I, I'm really good with HTML, not as good with JavaScript. I just know enough to like know when I'm over my head. And but so there's this there's this JavaScript library called D3 that powers a lot of the graphics that you've seen. If you look at any of the New York Times upshot graphics, they are powered by D3. If you look at a yeah. lot of the 538 graphics, they are powered by D3 or New York Times. Yeah. So this is this is really out there and really a production level thing, <laughs> and it's sort of run by this like one dude. 
Yeah, right. We talked about this last we year. Um, and I, and this time the, I mean it. Yeah. <laughs> this 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 time we're serious. I mean this um just going to their website, they have so many so many of the really cool graphics. So I don't like that they have a lot of GIS stuff. Yeah, so right. So I had I had sent you the link to the website just to look at and the partly what I wanted to talk about is just they have just an overwhelming array of things that you could possibly do with this tool. And mm-hmm. they don't all have to be animated, but they can be animated if you want to. And so to me this seems like an ideal way rather than maybe posting some of our Python things to try some of our Python plots, an ideal way to try and and spice those up without doing too much effort because the key here is that D3 is supposed to be very user friendly. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I think part of what part of what I was hoping we could do here is I was hoping we could decide on a figure that we like and a plot style and try and make it for next week. Jeez, there's so many options. I know. I mean, I was going to kind of see what you said because they're really simple ones, right? Like there's like here's how to make your most basic bar chart. I think that's probably the way that we want to go. You're right. Fork me on GitHub. Wow, that's inappropriate. <laughs> that's what everybody says. It's the language now. Well, here's a baseball one, the strikeouts on the rise. That looks fun. That's sort of that's sort of a box and whisker esque plot. Well, you know that then that links with a bunch of the things that we've been talking about. Yeah, box and whisker. Let's do this. Wait, this strikeouts on the rise. Do you see this one? I do. The sample one. Um, it's, I mean, a box and, box and whisker-esque plot. I think that we, we try this. Looks good. I think I can, in the back of my head, I think I know how to, how we do it. I, I mean, I love the idea of being able to hover over something. I know. I, oh God. Yeah, that's where, uh, um, Python really falls down with what we do right now or matplotlib. That's right. I mean, we, we, we've talked about this in the past in the context of every time I try to put something little on, <laughs> every time I try to put like little text on a, on a figure, <laughs> like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, this is not helpful. This is not what we need. This is just, this is, and it's so difficult to just get it right. Yeah. But so one of the things that I like is that the guy who is behind all of this, Mike Bostock has just all like this huge myriad of snippets Yep. That that you can just readily steal from. There are some really cool ones in here. I know. I kind of wish that we had more map projects because he actually does do some good map stuff. <laughs> I know. One of these days I'm gonna have to have to get into it. County topology. Yeah. No, I've created See, this map we're gonna we're times. gonna do this thing that you need and it's gonna help your work. And you're gonna be like, whoa. <laughs> Maybe. Thanks that, thanks for making me do this. <laughs> <laughs> It happens. Right. So I, I've been kind of kind of mentioning this offhandedly and I just want to pointedly mention it that animations are are really like a are really king in the visualization game. And I'm I'm willing to be I'm willing to be disagreed with, but I think that's like any sort of interactivity with figures where people can really either mouse over it or play with it or it does something is ideal. Right. You need to either have a really good graphic design mind for a figure mm-hmm. or you need to be able to make it interactive to keep the person's attention because that's just like ooh shiny <laughs> um and, and that really will that can be really really helpful 
in getting the point across, having someone work in an image. Yeah, and do you have some some examples of when you've been able to make a case with a visualization? Well, I um, I just have a story from work, and it was I I was I gave a talk, and it was just like a little lunch thing, and and about halfway through, I showed I showed a movie of a galaxy forming, which is part of a key <laughs> part of my research, and after that. Nobody was paying attention to the talk. They were just all, like, thinking about the movie. All the questions after the talk were about the movie. Like, okay, that was a... How'd you make the that movie? That was a throwaway was part. Yeah. But... <laughs> like, ooh, it moves. <laughs> yeah. It, it is funny, yeah, when you... Especially when you'd make a presentation, you have one good thing in there that, like, you know all the nerds in the audience are going to, like, nerd out about. Yeah, I know. Like, oh, oh, look, it moves. Like, uh, yeah, it moves, but also... <laughs> Yeah, but we can, you know, we can get past that. So we do have to be a little bit careful about falling into some of that trap. And I think that that's why picking a simple example for next week is good. Because we could, I could easily imagine us, I mean, you've you've called me out on this before, like going way off the deep end in complexity and just losing sight of the big picture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very easy to. We want to ideally try not to do that. Again, sorry about being a day late. We'll be back to the regular schedule next week. In the meantime, here's a discussion where we fanboy just a little bit about Nate Silver. It's funny. I like following Nate, Nate Silver on Twitter because he's exactly as you would expect. He Nate Silver is the most sounds like the person in real life. Like He translates the most accurately from, his, from what he says on the podcast to how he tweets. <laughs> To how he writes. Yes, yes. Because he was a blogger, right? Because he was a blogger and a writer. So we successfully did not talk about baseball at all in the first segment. Yeah. So I think it's time Love to, it. you know, actually talk a little bit of baseball. Talk about both the combo of what's happening in the league right now and how we can use that information uh, going forward in the future and how we can best get that information out of a plot. Yeah. So that's my that's sort of my outline for this. I have this complex plot that we haven't looked at a single time this year, despite the fact that we looked at it a few times last year. And I think the reason that we didn't look at it this year is because it's confusing. Yeah. It's a plot of run differential over time. So what it does is it tracks the run differential each game for each team. And run differential is just simply how many runs you outscore your opponent by in each game, summed up over time. Uh-huh. What you should see right. is the best teams are going to have a very positive run differential. The worst teams are going to have a very negative run differential. They're always getting outscored. Now, previous studies, both a little bit by us and by other people, have shown that this is a better correlator with success in the league than any sort of granular stat can be. So this is sort of a wins. A best di- what was it? <laughs> Better than wins. Better than wins. What? Yeah, that's right. The best distillation of of how good a team actually should be. Right. And it sort of sorts out right. exactly like you expect. So the current leaders, right, are in order: the Astros, Red Sox, Dodgers, Yankees, Indians, Athletics. That's crazy that the athletics are up there. The athletics are up there making it. <laughs> and the worst teams, wow. conversely, everybody we've been talking about, the Orioles, 
the Marlins, the Royals, the White Sox, the Padres, the Tigers. So it's pretty clear on on the on the two ends, I think, who you basically don't want to start your pitchers against and who you want to start your pitchers against. <laughs> right, unless you're yeah, it, we broad strokes, broad strokes, as we sort of talked about last week. The, the middle's a real um, challenge, yeah, in here to me. <laughs> exactly, yeah. These don't sort out quite as um, neatly as you would expect. And that's partly what I'm worried about. The mediocre teams. Is we try to draw inference yeah. from, I personally, this maybe this is exposing me more than anything, I personally try to draw inference from run differential on how teams are doing, especially related to their wins. And uh-huh. there's a lot of volatility. So this plot is partly confusing because there's, first of all, 30 lines that you have to sort out in some way. <laughs> yeah, a whole lot of lines. Second of all, there's a bunch of uncertainty in this you can see you know there's a there's a lot of small scale noise from day to day yep right and basically there's information on this plot that i want but it's this is a totally imperfect way to display it so i don't know what to do i'm curious what you think (sighs) okay well number one this is yeah you've separated these out into Worst, worst, mediocre, better, best. Takes a second to like figure out that you've got a color scale that's the same for all of them. So it's a little bit hard to sort out. But I think that you're right that um, there's so much you're looking at here that it's hard to sort out. Like you kind of have to do this in reverse. You have to either pick a team and then go and be like, oh, there we go. There, there it is. Or you have to pick a line that looks interesting and then go back. So how could we make this better? You don't want to put these... We don't want to put these all on the same line, right? If we put them all on the same one, your eye just really can't differentiate 30 colors. So it's hard to find the team that you want. Now, I think that I've seen this before, but what would be good is an interactive one. That, But it would be great if it was sort of like a video that mm. like they're all gray you know you have all of them on one plot and they're all gray then you have one highlighted at a time and it sort of went from best team to worst team the whole way down and it automatically did that until you scrolled over a team and then it did the corresponding or vice versa you scrolled over a line and found the 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 opposite and it highlighted the team Right? I think we can, does that make that sense? That does make sense. And i that's the type of thing that we can do. I mean, I guess you basically figured out why I'm showing you this. Because I think this plot is a perfect interactive plot. This is a candidate. Yeah. Right, because 30, 30 data points just hits the line of reasonable to understand, to be able to see. But 30 data points times 162 games, that's too much information. I agree. And we deal with... You know, we're going to inherently deal with a lot of 32 team samples <laughs> or, you know, data sets that are have 32 pieces. Like there's 32 starting pitchers each day or 32 times nine, like batters going each day. I mean, there's just there's a bunch of data things. And in order to visualize this, we've played around with this a little bit in the past, like how we how we actually visualize 
um, how we actually visualize a lot of the data. And we, I think we're throwing information away and we should use a fourth dimension of interactivity. Yeah, big absolutely. Big air quotes there. By the way, 30, 30 Sorry. MLB teams, 32 NFL I'm, teams. I'm very stuck in NFL right now. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I'm still pining. <laughs> You're clearly stuck on. I know. Maybe there should be 32 teams. I mean, we've talked about it. <laughs> right. It's it's just hard. It, it really is hard. And that's the first thing that we have to, we do have to climb that mountain to be able to get better graphics. So that's an interesting 4D. All right. So I think this is a good candidate for something to try and animate. Um, and maybe once we, once we steal this code for strikeouts on the rise and make it, my idea is kind of just replace the data in there with this other data that we want. Oh God! Yeah, that's always the vision. Well, now, but now I've spoken. works out. I've I've spoke it into existence. So here we go. Absolutely. So what else? Uh, what else can we do? I'm I'm curious what what you would like to see. This is sort of my example of what I want to see. <laughs> I want to see this. Well, just to go not too far away from this first example, I want to see this for fantasy war. The accrual of fantasy war over over the over the course of the year, or by statistic, you know, in our um, kind of growth chart idea, right? Because wouldn't that be great if you had? I mean, because we drew out um, in our growth charts, we grew out Joey Votto's accrual of hits in front of everybody's accrual of hits, and that was like pretty cool to look at. But I want to see that in a more aggregate sense of like the um, the fantasy war. So like this is this is over the course of the year the progression. How, this is how even the player is over the course of the year. There's a there's an injury at week eighteen, etc. Yeah, and I think in some of that I think we want to be able to use that to be predictive. I mean we're 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 getting ready to reach the the off season here is I mean especially the fantasy off season but then not long after that the real baseball off season and then all we're left with is the stats from from this year we have no more no more active performances to analyze and so what do we do what do we do with that you know what what are we how do we shape our off season projects especially with an eye to how are we going to make predictions for next year how are we going to be ready to go mid March I know we have, uh, we have to. We have to hit the ground running, and that's one of the big things. I one of the big problems in fantasy, I think, is that you you kind of get to the end of your fantasy season, and there's like, you know, sometimes you miss the playoffs, and then you kind of turn off the fantasy mind for the last month of the season. Yep. There's a whole lot of progress that happens at the end of the season where it's like, uh, then you look at the stats in you know February, yeah. and you're like. What? Yep. I didn't realize that Whit Merrifield was a top thirty player. Who? How the hell did that happen? <laughs> you know, because you left and he was a top sixty. Player. Or you're biased. You can also be biased the other way. If you're in the playoffs and you're like, this player really helped me, and you forget that they did nothing for four months. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then they, yeah, right. They helped you in the fantasy yeah. play playoffs, and that was it. Yeah, Whit Merrifield, number 25. Like, if you had 
missed the playoffs, you might not have realized that going into the last week of the season that he was a top 30 yeah. fantasy player. No, that's absolutely true. And so I think my goal for, for what we can dream up to bring this all back to graphics are, are graphics that are going to help us hit the ground running at the start of next year. Perfect. Right, because this is all about cutting down a whole lot of data into a manageable slice. Yep. We're no longer in the small data regime for the 2018 season. <laughs> right. <laughs> we now have a ton of data. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you about ready to wrap this sucker up? I am. Did you watch two more episodes of BoJack this week? I think I did. What do you think about this pug? Is it a pug or is it a bulldog? I think it's a pug. Pickles the pug? I think it's a pug. I mean, yeah. it's, it is fun to say the line, you know, nothing goes together like pickles and peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. I. It, it's like, it's fun. I, I mean, this is the whole thing about BoJack is these show, the show is really good at the absurd while also like hitting these like chords beneath, you know, where you're like, ooh, yeah. I, <laughs> I definitely, I definitely knew that that couple that was like, you know, the Mister Peanut Butter and and um, the Miss Wynn, yeah. um, who were just not, they weren't meant to be together. And then all of a sudden, you see the like gregarious fun one end up with a gregarious fun one. You're like, well, that totally makes sense until that blows up. <laughs> now that we watch two each week, the natural question is, which episode did you like better? I loved the absurdity of the. Of the asexual thing, of the <laughs> asexual um, in the house, like <laughs> how could you? That was, right, that was a grandmother's antique. That loop. was so interesting. Like, it's, and also watching these as a pair, I think that we're seeing some of how they decided to construct the episodes because episode three is like a classic BoJack light humor episode. And then episode four is like yeah. now we're going to tackle a complex issue in a BoJack way. Right, right. And I wasn't I'm a little bit more right now in for the light light absurdity humor humor. I can only take so much of Todd, but sometimes it just like hits the right right spot. Anyway, all funny stuff. Good two good episodes. Two more for next week. You wanna update us on the Profar versus Muncie battle? Yeah, you know, I I let the deadline pass because I was hoping that something would happen so if you remember at late august about a month ago i made a prediction that jerks and profar would pass max muncie in ownership on september 1st it still hasn't happened um (laughs) uh, it's inching 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 closer but i am ready to admit that it's probably not going to happen this year not gonna happen oh max muncie how has he been so valuable in his limited number of played I mean to be fair they have they've asymptoted to being two ownership percentage is points apart <laughs> so they're really <laughs> close in ownership very but they're similar just not gonna make it but yeah the Max Muncy question I don't know Max Muncy is somebody that I think his stock is going to be dependent on what happens in the playoffs oh yeah no, this could this could totally be the um, the guy that everybody drafts in the I don't know third round because they think that he's gonna just 
we're going to take that um, 390 at bats that he has. We're going to ramp it up to 600, and holy moly, this is an all-star. I think that's right. I or he could do, this could also be a Daniel Murphy situation, where if he gets a playing time in the playoffs, everyone's going to be like, okay, but like, like seriously, if you had a full-time job, you're not going to be that good. And then he has a full-time job, and you're like, wow. I don't know. A whole lot to see on Max Muncy. I'm curious how this, these uh, playoffs go for him. All right, that about brings us to the review session. Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. This movie is 20 years old. Insane, right? It's, it's yeah. So here's the thing that struck me is that this movie has aged really well. Pretty well, but it is sort of a, a um, time travel movie. So they're making fun of the 60s but a lot. But considering the gags that they decided to settle on for the 90s, I mean, we invested in Starbucks. That That is yeah, still, still perfectly here. topical. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's... And it's and the talk about it being like an evil corporation, like <laughs> even more so. It's still zeitgeist. I mean, I yeah, I I wonder how much of that was just lucking into it, and and like because Starbucks, it's also still completely recognizable with that branding. Yeah, versus the AOL AOL. Um, you've got mail. That's right. I uh, I'd be curious. To know, you know, like as a function of age, whether that joke lands, who that joke lands with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well, and even the uh, the Jerry Springer. I wonder how many people are like the, two things. Number one, who's Jerry Springer? Number two, wow, I could, they couldn't get Mari. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that too. I don't know who was. I would argue that Jerry was probably higher in his life cycle at that point. He yeah. was. He was. I think Mari has had a longer, uh, longer tail. <laughs> yes, I I agree. With Lower that. peak, higher ta- longer tail. Um, also, doesn't Jerry Springer record in in L.A.? Oh, I'm sure that that was part of the reason. Like Austin Powers' line of, "It's funny how England looks absolutely yep. nothing like Southern California." <laughs> <laughs> uh, or whatever the actual line. The was. Will Ferrell cameo, excellent. Perfect. No, just this is like, I I just this movie came out at the perfect time. I know that the, it had very low on Rotten Tomatoes, but a lot of quotes from this movie. I mean, Mini Me is still zeitgeisty. Yeah. Fat Bastard is still um, is still known as much as the Austin Powers character came in um, in the previous movie. I mean, I think this is where he sort of filled out to be the ridiculous parody full ridiculous parody of not only James Bond but of Austin Powers. I th- we were talking a little bit before but I think this is this was the right movie of the 3 to watch. Oh yeah. Oh definitely cuz it's yeah, it's got enough jokes. It's um I mean, if if you're watching the first Austin Powers and you have to like recognize how like unique it is in making fun of James Bond, well, that's right. It's much more. I mean, that one is much more James Bond, but with this ridiculous Saturday Night Live character. I think it's a good movie. I liked it. 
I, I, it's a good movie. It's a fun movie. So what are we going to watch this week? I was thinking about this. I want, you know, fantasy, fantasy, but not too light. Let's go with Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah.